Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. This week, we continue our study of the Gospel of Mark. Also, keep your eyes and ears open for a new podcast we're launching on Monday, December 4th, the Creative Thinking Podcast with Kim Thomas. It'll begin with three weeks focusing on the Advent season. You can subscribe now in your favorite podcast app. Now for this week, here's Pastor Jim. So glad to have you along with me again today as we study Mark chapter 7, this time verses 14 through 23. It reminds me of an old Eugene Peterson quote, which I'll start with. All the water in the oceans cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside. Nor can all the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us. And Jesus, in Mark chapter 7, addresses similar kinds of issues, but he's going to make a point that in reality, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Let's see what he says. Summoning the multitude again, he, Jesus, began saying to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. There's nothing outside the man which going into him can defile him, but the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 17, and when leaving the multitude, he had entered the house. His disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, are you also so uncomprehending? Do you not see that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him because it does not go into his heart? but into his stomach and is eliminated. Basic, you know, understanding of the digestive system is what he's talking about. And in parentheses there at the end of verse 19, some of your English translations will include this sentence. Thus he declared all foods clean. And uh, I appreciate that because I like all foods. All is an important word to me, as most of you know. Um, I like a lot of different kinds of foods, so I'm glad that that's there. But let's get back to what Jesus was saying. Uh, Verse 20, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart, not the stomach, but out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, the fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. By the way, that that list that Jesus gave there is an unusual uh, thing for him to do, isn't it? We don't hear him doing that uh, uh, so often, but when he does it, I think we should take note. I think we should sit up straight. I think we should listen uh, to him carefully. He's invited us, actually summoned us here, all of us by extension. Verse 14 says, summoning the multitude, he said, listen. Um, And all of you, and I think that includes us, and understand. And so he doesn't equivocate when Jesus wants to define sin. And that brings up a great question for us. Who defines sin for you? 
Who defines sin for me? We should all have to answer that question at some point. What, what is the source of moral understanding or moral knowledge? Is it up to the individual? And that's the way our world around us would probably suggest. It's up to you to decide what's right and wrong for you. Um, they used phrases like, what's my truth? You know, As if truth is something that's relative to the individual in any and all cases. Is that If that's true for you, I don't want to drive on the same road with you because someday you might decide the double yellow line doesn't mean anything. Someday you might decide gravity is irrelevant to you and so you might try to fly without any helps of any sort. Um, That can be really disastrous. And so we all recognize that in the world around us, the real world around us, someone has created some laws, some rules, some boundaries that go way beyond the individual. They're not up to the individual. And I think that most people would acknowledge that moral law is that way as well. There may be just a few things that everyone acknowledges are morally good and others that are morally bad. It might be just a few that are universally agreed upon, but the fact that there are some at least leads us to the question that C.S. Lewis opens up mere Christianity with when he makes his argument for the moral law and that everybody agrees there is one and we have to therefore answer the question, where did it come from? And so as Jesus is talking to the multitude and they've been listening to all of these religious leaders that say it's really about rule following and they unroll their scroll full of rules for everyone. And he basically says, no, it's not about externalism. It's not about rule following on the outside. It's about what's going on inside of you. So what do we really learn here? Let me just give you four things. First of all, it's Christ that summons us. Okay, I think that's really important. He didn't have to, didn't owe it to us. Um, And yet he convenes, musters his people, gathers his people, both on an individual and a corporate level. I like it that verse 14 says, and summoning the multitude, he began saying to them, and so he's, in this case, summoning a multitude. How big is that multitude? He just looks at this massive crowd, and remember, it's thousands of people that are following him by this point. He summons us, All the time, Jesus does. And I'm so glad he takes the initiative to do that. I'm baffled as to why he would summon me. And frankly, knowing some of us, (laughs) I'm baffled at why he would summon some of you as well. Um, That's just remarkable to me that he would do that. Why would he choose us? Why would he call us? That's a mystery to me, to, to be sure. But so my second of four points would be this, though. Christ summons us, that's right, but he summons us for a reason, to listen, and that with a desire to understand. That we see in verse 14 again. Listen to me, all of you, and understand. He doesn't want to leave some of us in the dark. He wants all of us to be engaged when we come to him, to be engaged with him, to listen to him. All of us. And with an intent to listen and understand. All right, I love that about Jesus. So he summons us. He summons us uh, uh, with a purpose that is listening and understanding. And thirdly, Christ summoned us to see that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. 
And this, I think, is because the condition of sin, as you read the rest of this, exists in the heart before it issues forth in individual acts of sin. It's not the external stuff that enters into the human physical body. It's not the food we eat that enters the stomach, says Jesus. No, it's the stuff that's already in our heart when it comes out. And it, it, it expresses itself in this list that he gave us, this list of things when it pro- proceeds from the human person, verse 20. And it defiles us, verse 21. For from within, out of the heart, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, okay, sexual sin is first a lust inside of us. And then it issues forth in an act. Fornication is a word that it's a reference to sexual sin, having sexual relations with someone that you're not married to. That's what fornication is. Um, thefts, that is wanting something that someone else has and taking it. Thefts, murders, adulteries, coveting. Did you notice? I don't know if any of this is familiar to you, but this is Jesus in as much as endorsing the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue of the Old Testament. A lot of these very same things are listed there. And so he echoes that and says, coveting, which is the 10th of the Ten Commandments, and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And he lists all of that as evil things. Verse 23, they all proceed from within and they defile us. And so one, Christ summons us. Two, he summons us that we would listen, all of us, and understand. And third, that we need a new heart because he's saying the, the, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart, see? So we need a new heart. That's our, our fourth and final point. Um, so he summons us. He summons us to listen and to understand. Thirdly, he wants us to know that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And fourthly, that we need a new heart. And I'm running out of time, so I want to hurry through this just a little bit. Where do you get a new heart? I mean, if it's the center, the control center of who we are, if it's the seat of the affections, the desires, if you will. And we've said it before, it seems to me like the heart always makes a convert of the head. Uh, We find ourselves when we take a step or uh, engage in some act of sin, it's because Our heart wanted something and it convinced our head that we should get it. And then our head told our body to go do stuff and we did it or we said it, whatever it might be. It might be just an outburst of anger or a rejection of God calling us to express love or comfort to someone. And we're just trying to argue with them. We're just trying to do a mic drop sort of statement where we prove that we were right after all. You know, instead of being patient, gracious, tender, kind, gentle, humble. We need a new heart, new affections, new priorities. Um, In the New Testament language of Jesus from John's gospel, it would be this. We need to be born again. Yeah. The Apostle Paul um, talks about that same kind of an idea in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they are a new creature. The old things have 
passed away. Behold, new things have come. The old loves, the old desires, the old priorities, uh, the old selfishness has literally passed away. Um, and it's the new life in Christ that has come to life in you and in me. Yeah. The heart of the matter, it's the matter of the heart. In the cross and the resurrection of Christ, Jesus has paid the price for all your sin, all my sin, past, present, and future. And in his resurrection, he has defeated our last and greatest enemy itself, death. And so Jesus has the power and authority. He's displayed that now in his cross and in his resurrection. He's displayed that he has the power and authority over sin and death to be able to call you to himself, to call me to himself and to offer us a new heart that we could become a new creation in Christ. One of our dear friends from London, uh, Christopher Wright, in his book, To the Cross, Proclaiming the Gospel from the Upper Room to Calvary. I love this uh, book. As, um, as Chris is such a great theologian, great thinker, um, uh, one of the folks who's so well connected with the Langham Partnership, another organization uh, that we support at the Village Chapel and that uh, Kim and I are so well uh, connected with and love all those folks. And, and Chris has got a, in this book, he's, he's said a brilliant thing. The death of Christ in utter weakness would turn out to be the demonstration of the saving power of God that will ultimately destroy all powers of evil and violence. What a paradox. But it lies at the heart of the gospel, see. And, uh, and there's the gospel in a nutshell to what God has done in the death of Christ and in his glorious resurrection has put on offer to you and to me this new heart, this new life in his name. That's why we keep going back to the Bible. It reminds us of these things. Um, John Stott in Christ the Cornerstone said, it's the Bible that gives us the mandate, the message, and the model and the power we need for world evangelization. So let's seek to repossess it, the Bible, by diligent study and meditation. That's one of the reasons we study through books of the Bible here at the Village Chapel and here on Timeless Truth, this podcast. We want to, as John Stott says, heed its summons, grasp its message, follow its directions, and trust its power. Let's lift up our voices and make it known. That's how we preach the gospel. We live it out. We, we, it becomes evident in our words and in our works, just like it was in the life of Jesus. And Tozer said, and I love this, in the pursuit of God, if you haven't read this one, this is another one you want to go get. It's a classic. If I were trapped on a desert island, I'd want to make sure I had a copy of the pursuit of God with me. He says this, the Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men and women to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him, that they may delight in his presence, may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and in the center of their hearts. Yeah, so the heart of the matter 
is the matter of the heart. And Jesus made that so clear in Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 23. How's your heart? How's your heart with the Lord as it regards your relationship with him? Let me pray for all of us in that regard. Lord, God, thank you for Jesus that he's come and made it possible for all of us to live in right relationship with you, that he's done everything necessary for us to live in right relationship with you. So I pray for myself and for my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter where they may be watching or listening from, no matter um, what country, what state here in the U.S., what country in the world, um, what part of the world, doesn't matter. Um, But what does matter is the condition of their heart. And so I pray for myself and for them, Lord. Open all of our hearts, soften our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Jesus, call us again and again and again to follow you, to walk with you, to receive the grace you have on offer for us. Thank you so much for your throne room of grace that we can enter into it with confidence because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. And we all lift up our empty hands of faith right now and pray once more, Lord, that you would renew, that you would restore, that you would refresh, that you would forgive, that you would redeem us again and again. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day today. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.